What's up, Alien Nation? I have a special episode. I'm going to try to keep it as short as possible. I'm going to actually just jump right into it. This is a book review of one of my favorite books ever. It's called Ishmael. The author's name is Daniel Quinn. And in chapter one, he starts off with a newspaper ad that says, Teacher seeks pupil. Must have an earnest desire to save the world. The narrator's name is Alan. He meets Ishmael, the gorilla, the teacher, and the namesake of the, the book title. Ishmael speaks with his eyes, or telepathically, and tells Alan his story. He was born in the equatorial West African forests. He was captured for a zoo as an infant. He mentions that captive animals are more thoughtful than wild animals because they cannot help but sense that something is wrong. They ask themselves why, as in why are they in captivity, or why am I captive? The captive animal has no tribe or family. The wild animal has a tribe and or a family. The acquisition of a name is your birth as an individual person. So then there's a little bit of a discussion on how Ishmael learned about humans, culture, naming, individuals, animals, anthropology, etc. Continuing his story, Ishmael was relocated once again from the zoo to a menagerie and into a private residence, Mr. Sokolo. The story of Mr. Sokolo purchasing quote-unquote Goliath and then renaming him Ishmael from the menagerie owner. And then there's the story of Ishmael learning to communicate with people. Mr. Sokolo gets married and has a daughter. His daughter becomes one of Ishmael's uh, closest confidants. Uh, then there's the story of Mr. Sokolo's death and how Ishmael got to be where he currently is. Readers learn that Ishmael has had four previous pupils and all of them have failed. Ishmael's subject is captivity. Our culture is captive of a civilizational system that compels us to continue destroying the world in order to live. If you can't find the bars of the cage, the will to escape becomes confused and ineffectual. The narrator, Alan, recalls philosophy class paper of, in this feeling of being lied to by society. Ishmael questions if all of humanity realized that they were being lied to, it might make a great difference. The narrator takes a walk, and then he returns to Ishmael's office. Chapter 2 starts off with Ishmael explaining that the entire German nation, not only Jews, were captive under Hitler. How? A story. What was the story? Aryans have been deprived of their rightful place in the world. Even those who saw it as a myth were captive because the masses made them captive. Our culture, or a larger culture, pretty much the entire world that is not indigenous peoples, uh, so this does include the German culture, but it also includes the British culture, pretty much every European culture, every colonizing culture, right? Um, so what is that story? Uh, well, first, those who don't play their role in our story don't get fed. That's important. He calls our culture takers, and uh, other cultures or indigenous cultures are called leavers, um, or civilized and primitive. Uh, he defines a story as a scenario that relates man and the world and God or the gods. The word enact means to live so as to make the story reality. The definition of culture is the people that enact that story or that myth. 
The definition of mother culture is the voice of taker culture. Mother culture's account of history is that weavers are chapter one of human history, and it's a boring chapter. It ended with the birth of agriculture in the Near East, and it marked the start of chapter two, a much more exciting chapter, taker, the takers. Ishmael says that weavers are not the chap- chapter one of a story in which takers are chapter two. The taker story of how things came to be this way, our mythology. Ishmael asks, what is our creation myth? The narrator is certain we have none. We are a scientific people. Uh, Ishmael says, yeah, okay, well, what is your creation story, Mr. Science? He says, well, there was a big bang and then there was a steady state universe that began. Uh, The solar system formed, ancient earth formed, oceans, bacteria, evolution, blah, blah, blah. Ishmael says, yeah, that's a myth. The narrator's story ended with, finally, man appeared. Ishmael says, well, then what? Alan's not getting it, so Ishmael makes an analogy, and he says, okay, let me tell your story from the perspective of a jellyfish. But now, these are very scientific jellyfish. These aren't, these aren't a myth. That's not a myth. So he pretty much tells the same exact story that Alan had told, but the difference is, it stops when he says, finally, jellyfish appeared. You see, man, or jellyfish, is what the story leads toward. The objective of creation has been reached. Our myth is that man is the end product of creation. The takers regard the world as a human life support system. Why is there no mention of the gods' intentions toward humans? You see, the story enacted by the takers has a premise. The premise is, the world was made for man. And thus, it belongs to us, and we can do as we please. You can even hear this in the way we speak about the world. You hear us say, our environment, our oceans, our solar system, our wildlife. Is it really ours? You see, this is a sneaky way of blaming God, or the gods. If the world was created for a gorilla, or for jellyfish, none of this horrible stuff would have happened. In chapter 4, Ishmael explains that man lived for a long time as any other creature without control over the environment. But according to our story, man had to become an agriculturalist. He had to settle down, learn division of labor, learn economics, trade, commerce, mathematics, literacy, science, etc. You see, this is the part about man's destiny, according to the takers. You see... According to the Taker story, the world is unfinished without man. The world needed a ruler to put it in order. The world is made for man, man made to conquer and rule it. That is the Taker myth. Man first had to conquer nature prior to ruling it. Nature would not submit easily. The myth that we are born to conquer nature, atoms, space, oceans, etc. is just that, a myth. The world came to be this way through man fulfilling his destiny. And Ishmael says that is the price we pay for enacting a story that casts mankind as an enemy of nature. In chapter 5, Ishmael lays out the problem. Man's conquest of the world has devastated the world, and there is not enough mastery to stop the devastation. The ultimate destiny of man to conquer and rule the universe, according to the takers. 
being human, we want to create paradise, but we were bound to screw it up. There's nothing fundamental. There is something fundamentally wrong with humans. Ishmael's like, nope, nothing fundamentally wrong with humans. Uh, given a story to an act that puts us in accord with the world, then we act and live in accordance with the world. But when we're given a story that puts us at odds with the world, we live at odds with the world. You see, there's also an importance of prophets among the taker culture. Questions of how we ought to live cannot be answered with our science or our knowledge. You see, according to our myth, A, something is wrong with humans, and B, there is no knowledge of how we ought to live. But Ishmael says there's another story in which to live. Uh, and then he wants to challenge the axiom that there is no way to obtain knowledge on how we ought to live. In chapter 6, Ishmael begins challenging that axiom. He says we can find out how we ought to live by consulting what's actually there. He says he will show a law concerning how people ought to live. The law that governs behavior in the community of life resides in observing the community of life, the community in which man is a member. Mother Culture says, if such a law did exist, it does not apply to man because we're above all of them. The rest of the community, the savages, the animals, etc. But when man is on the brink of extinction, maybe he'll learn to find the law relevant. Looking for the law that holds the community of life together and organizes things on a biological level the way that gravity organizes things on a macroscopic level Ishmael says, nothing I reveal about life in the community of life will astound anyone. My achievement will be formulating it as a law. The law we are looking for is not about civilizations, but it applies to civilizations just as it applies to flocks of birds or herds of deer or beehives. It applies to all species without distinction, which is why our culture cannot discover it because our culture's mythology is that man is the end product of creation and there's only one species that the world is made to produce, and that's us, man. The gods have played three dirty tricks on us, on, on the takers, right? He didn't put us in the center of the universe. Well, we find that out and we say, well, even if we're in the boondocks, man is still the central figure in the drama, drama of creation. Then we learn that we're not separate from the common evolutionary slime that made up all other bacteria, fungus, plants, and animals. Well, it's still our destiny to rule the world and perhaps the universe itself. <laughs> but the third trick we cannot adjust to. The third trick uh, says that species in compliance with this law live forever, environmental conditions permitting. So uh, Ishmael makes an analogy to the law of gravity or the law of aerodynamics, right? So man in an airplane is subject to the law of gravity. The law Ishmael is trying to describe is like the law of gravity. It is inescapable, but there is a way to achieve flight. It is possible to build a civilization that flies, metaphorically. Uh, he tells, he makes another analogy. I'm not going to go deep into that one because I want you to buy the book. Um, but he basically, basically makes the analogy of our civilization uh, as an early flight prototype, and we're about to crash. Um, so then in order to get the narrator to discover the law, he lays out a framework for another story um, in which people are living peacefully, friendly, and cheerfully. Um, 
So there's three tribes, tribe A, tribe B, and tribe C. Now, what allows them to live peacefully, friendly, and cheerfully is that members of tribe A eat members of tribe B, members of tribe B eat members of tribe C, and members of tribe C eat members of tribe A. They are cannibals. So how do you discover the law that allows them to live peacefully, friendly, and cheerfully? You look for what they never do. See, the community of life worked for three billion years. And the takers say, well, that's lawless, savage, chaotic, and relentless competition. All those creatures are living in terror. But then how do you explain why human tribes fight to the death because they prefer the indigenous lifestyle to this one? I've mentioned in some previous episodes how the relationship between the lion and the gazelle, they're not enemies. The lion doesn't massacre a herd of gazelle like an enemy. It kills one to satisfy its hunger, not to satisfy its hatred of gazelles. You see, all evolution follows this law. 10,000 years ago, one culture said, nope, man is exempt from this law. 500 generations later, in the blink of an eye on a biological scale, brought the entire world to the point of extinction. The taker explanation is that something is fundamentally wrong with us. Poor us. Poor people. We were created with something wrong with us. Wah. So anyways, he leaves, uh, Alan leaves, comes back about a week later. It took him a while to figure out what is it that we're doing that is never done by anybody else in the community of life. Our culture exterminates our competitors. We destroy our competitors' food to make room for our own food. And then we destroy our competitors' access to food. The fourth one, he's not as sure about. He says uh, that we store our food. But he's less certain about this one because he knows that bees store honey. Ishmael says, you've done a great job. Uh, and he reveals what he calls the law of limited competition which means you're allowed to compete to the full extent of your capability, but you can't hunt down competitors or destroy their food or deny them access to food. What this does is it promotes biological diversity, which leads to ecological stability. You see, biological diversity is a survival factor for the biological community itself. The process of one species exempting itself from this law destroy competition, destroy games competition, and destroy plants that compete with our games plants, what farmers call holy work, um, leads to a lot of issues. Agriculture is not contrary to this law. It is simply subject to the law. Those who threaten the stability of the community by defying the law will automatically eliminate themselves because the world was not made for one species. You see, the takers are profoundly lonely, which is another reason, one of the main reasons why I named this podcast Alienation. Um, leavers, indigenous people, low crime, almost zero mental illness, low no suicide, low no drug addiction. You see, enacting the lever story does not provide power, conquest, or rule over the world, but it does provide satisfaction and meaning to your life. Alan leaves and comes back and finds Ishmael is no longer behind the glass. Uh, it was a little bit 
uh, disturbing to be beside a two-ton gorilla, but uh, Ishmael explains that the agricultural revolution never ended. He also explains uh, how he, well, first of all, he sets up a couple of stories, right? He's going to tell his interpretation of Adam and Eve or the fall of humanity, as well as his interpretation of Cain and Abel. Um, And he says that takers have the knowledge to rule the world. Leavers don't have that knowledge, but gods do have that knowledge. The knowledge of good and evil is the knowledge of those who shall live and those who shall die. So he kind of recaps the, the story of Adam and Eve and the story of the tree of knowledge, the fall of humanity. And uh, he mentions how, like, why was the tree of knowledge forbidden? If it's just, you know, the tree of knowledge. Takers can't even answer this question because we believe that's the best knowledge that there is. It's part of part of our destiny. Um, we believe our way is the right way. And if we were to give up our lifestyle, that would be admitting that we were wrong. Uh He talks about Cain and Abel as well. He explains how the Caucasians were actually the first taker culture. The Semites, or the herders, the pastoralists, um, were actually the authors of Cain and Abel, right? So Cain is farmers. A farmer kills Abel, a herder, herder, the herders, right? So these are symbols representing actual tribes, uh, groups of people, not just uh, one figure Cain or one figure Abel right um, so this is basically how Abel concluded that Cain had eaten the tree of knowledge and that agriculture was the lot of the fallen uh, what that did was it the fall divided humans into tillers and herders and tillers are still to this day bent on murdering the herders so Ishmael leaves uh, there's a little bit of a search for Ishmael um, and Alan finds him at a carnival. Uh, Ishmael recaps the story beginning with the fall of Adam and the murder of Abel is the story of the agricultural revolution as told by its victims. He explains uh, that what a culture is is the beliefs, assumptions, theories, customs, legends, songs, stories, dances, jokes, superstitions, prejudices, tastes, attitudes, techniques, information that is passed from generation to generation. The lever culture is conscious of an ancient tradition and their ancestors, our ancestors, human ancestors. And the taker culture, no such ancestor worship. Only information related to production is saved by the taker culture. You see, takers don't want what works well. They want what the one right way. The lever's ways come into being via evolution. Takers accumulate knowledge about what works well for things. Leavers accumulate knowledge about what works well for people. Alan asks, why know the Lever story if Abel is doomed? And for that matter, why learn the Taker story? Ishmael answers, so that we can stop enacting it and stop our own self-destruction. And so you learn the Lever story because we cannot live without a story to enact. Hippies tried to stop living like takers, but they had no story to enact, and so they failed. Mother culture says that pre-agricultural revolution was a horrible lifestyle. Then why do we need to slaughter and exterminate all of the indigenous cultures? What is the taker revolution a revolution against? Why does mother culture fear lever lifestyle to the point of loathing? Well, control of food supply 
cannot trust God or the gods. And if we have more food than we need, the gods have no power over you. You can save the food for when the gods send drought. So then why are the takers still worried? When are we ever going to be safe? When we have the whole world out of the hands of God or the gods. And then I love how Quinn, uh, near the end of this book, he, he quotes a Bible verse. So awesome because I feel like taker culture is rooted in this like fake Christianity. Like this, uh, this spirituality that was perverted by you know what, what people call Christianity today or contemporary Christianity. Um, so the Bible verse that he quotes is Matthew 6.31. Jesus says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So the author's point there is that Jesus was actually a lever. Um, and I just think that's awesome that he kind of, kind of throws that in there. It's like a little jab to the fundamentalist Christians, I think. Um, and then to end the book, uh, he basically says, Leavers do not force everyone to live as they do. Takers do. Man became man by living in the hands of the gods or in the hands of God. Uh, man becomes man by evolving as man. But then the taker said, no more natural selection for us. Then the, one of the most critical statements that Ishmael makes, one of my favorite statements that I want to highlight and um, just, just make sure you, you catch every word of this one, right? He says, creation came to end with man according to the taker myth. So enacting this myth means the lifestyle that ends creation. Man, hit the, hit the rewind 15 seconds button and listen to that again. All right, moving forward, though, um, the taker myth premise is that world belongs to man, and the lever myth premise is that man belongs to the world. The taker premise leads to disaster, and the lever premise is how man became man. Creation goes on forever under the lever premise. Evolution tends toward complexity, self-awareness, and intelligence. Humans are trailblazers for other species to become self-aware. This is the human destiny. So that, what he's saying there is that our destiny is to lead uh, monkeys, gorillas, orangutans, dolphins, pigs, um, other species into self-awareness. Um, pretty awesome stuff. Uh, he also reiterates that civilization is subject to the law of limited competition. It's not against the law. Uh, he says in order to save the world, Cain must stop killing Abel. Indigenous people are endangered species, most critical to the world at this time. And in order to change people's behavior, you must first change their mind. The way they think about the world, or divine intentions in the world, or the destiny of man, these are the things that we need to challenge as far as their beliefs are concerned. Lever lifestyle is not about hunter-gatherer, but rather about letting the rest of the community of life live. Agriculturalists can do this just as easily as hunter-gatherers. The world of takers is one vast prison. Their prison industry is consuming the entire world. How do you break out of the ta taker prison? Well, the narrator is pessimistic because he believes people prefer wealth and power in the prison to breaking out of the prison. 
Ishmael's teaching is done. I'm done for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the review. Please go check out Ishmael, um, Barnes & Noble, whatever bookstore you can find it on. Just search Ishmael on DuckDuckGo, um, preferably, or Google if you don't have DuckDuckGo yet. And uh, this book, man, is, it should, should be required reading for everybody, um, given the state of the world that we're in today. So I love you guys. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the book review.